0: Good morning. Hey, I want to tell you something. I had a, I had a kid come up to me yesterday, and ask, she asked me for... I'm not sure if she's here today or not, for some verses of Scripture. She said, I have some friends who are lesbians. And um, they've given up all hope of ever going to heaven because Christians have told them that they're automatically going to hell because they're homosexual. And some of these Christians have told them the Old Testament says we should burn you. I can't believe that anyone would do that. Don't you ever do that. And what I did was, and I i, I don't think she's here, but i got a list of uh, 20 verses. Not quite that many, but Talk about the fact that God forgives sin, and that He forgives, and many of them say He forgives all sin. And there is one passage of Scripture that is as close as I can find to homosexuality. It's not homosexuality, but it's it's um sexual sin that Jesus actually confronted and it's kind of dark in here so I guess you can't but just listen this is John Gospel of John chapter 8 Jesus uh, went to the Mount of Olives now early in the morning he came into the temple and uh, all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them and the scribes and Pharisees that uh, Jesus didn't have a whole lot of good to say about brought him a woman caught in adultery and when they had set her in the midst they said to him teacher this woman was caught in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned but what do you say This they said testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him See, they don't really care about that woman and the sin that she was uh, committing. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them tried to get her address. They just wanted to to trap Jesus. But the facts still remain this woman was caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus. And... um, what's my place they said uh, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear and we don't know what he wrote Bible scholars um, surmise that maybe he was writing some sins in the sand so when they uh, continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, Who is without sin among you? He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and started writing on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The spotless, sinless lamb of God confronted with I don't know that she was a prostitute but she sure was messing up big time and he said I don't I'm not condemning you go and sin no more and if he would do that for a woman caught in adultery he would do it for a homosexual I hope that as a result of this week you look and think look at gays and think about gays differently. They're not the enemy and they're not the scum of this earth. They're just like you. They're sinners. Well, I had nothing to do with what I was going to talk about today, but uh, I just, I got to find that girl today, and I got to give her these these uh, verses of scripture, and um, I hope she can use them. If you have your Bible, um, is, is there anyone who knows how to get the lights on? Oh yeah, 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 I do. <laughs> I know where they are. Everybody know where the light switches are? Somebody, somebody, turn the. Go back there and turn the lights on. Thank you. If you have your Bible, would you open to Luke chapter seven? Luke chapter 7. If you don't have your Bible, why not? And if you don't have your Bible, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and I'm sure that you'll share with her, right? So if there's somebody sitting next to you who doesn't have a Bible, look on with that person, all right? Uh, did I say chapter 7? I was lying to you. Chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And follow along, please, as I read beginning with verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and texted him, saying, Teacher... What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What's your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounding him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, When he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan... Now stop for a second. Look up here for a second. The Jews could not stand Samaritans. Samaritans were half-breeds. Samaritans were the result of Israelites interbreeding with pagan cultures and so they hated him alright now let's get back to it. verse 33 but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion so he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring oil and wine oil to soothe wine to heal germs "...and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii." Um, Two denarii was about two days' pay. "...gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay you." So which uh, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves. And he said, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, Go, and do likewise. Look at the question that was originally asked in verse 25. What must I do to inherit eternal life. Now, I want you to close your Bibles. And I want you to listen to that passage again. You can't follow along because this is the, uh, a little different version. It's, this is the 2011 Tennessee version of the Bible. Okay? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Knoxville to Chattanooga. He got mugged. And the muggers stole his clothes, stabbed him, and left him for dead. Now by chance, a Catholic priest, a Presbyterian minister, and a Presbyterian pastor came down that road. When they saw the victim, they looked the other way. Likewise, a Baptist pastor, a Methodist pastor, A University of Tennessee campus crusade for Christ leader came by looking at the victim and passed by on the other side of the street, not wanting to be late for a meeting. But a wealthy drug dealer, walking to his car, came to where the victim was and looked at him and felt extremely sorry for the guy. So he cleaned the guy's wounds, bandaged him, not taking time to put on rubber gloves for protection in case the guy had, was HIV positive or had full-blown AIDS. He put the guy in the back seat of his Cadillac, not caring about the, getting blood on the seat, and took him to the hospital and carried him into the emergency ward. Before leaving, he gave the hospital administrator his credit card as security and asked that the man be well cared for. He promised to return in two days and pay the guy's hospital bill in cash. So which of these men do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And you're not going to come across a stabbing victim. And you're not going to come... Across a situation where you have to take somebody to the hospital. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you will, but probably not. You should come across kids every single day in your high schools, and they're hurting. And they're wounded. They are wounded. They don't have blood coming out of them, but they are wounded. Some of them are abused by their parents. Some of them are abused by other kids in your school. I hope nobody, I hope they're not abused by anybody in this room. And I talked about the fact that one of the biggest decisions you could make in the course of your school day is which table you're going to pick to sit at at lunch I have said this before at this camp I'm going to say it again you have no idea the power that you have you just don't know it you don't know what a hero you could be to some kid who's hurting who's lonely maybe who's gay and still in the closet and scared and stiff somebody will find out about it you don't know what a hero you could be to those kids that are the losers quote unquote you know who they are but you got to sacrifice if you're going to minister to them You've got to lose out on some quality time with the in crowd or the kids you think are in. You might have to sacrifice some popularity. The priest and the Levite in this story were avoiding people, people who avoided. They were unloving, they were unmerciful, they were uncaring. Why are we uncaring? Because, see, some of us are priests and Levites that pass by on the other side. And I think it's because the cares of this world. Well, what would that be? The latest diets, latest fashions, cars, big houses, boats, high-def, flat-screen TVs, MP3s, smartphones, po- iPads, Fun, popularity. Notice there's nothing that I just listed. There's anything wrong with any of them? Not a thing. They're all perfectly good things, perfectly good activities. It's just we get so wrapped up in them. And we don't bother to look beyond at other people. The victim, PWAs, gays, lesbians, cross-dressers, PWAs are people with AIDS. I work with a lady, um, her name is Dale Belli, and um, she has a ministry in New York City, and her ministry is solely to people with AIDS, and she goes into Harlem Hospital. Does Bible study with people who are HIV positive or have full blown AIDS. And uh, there's this private AIDS hospice called Rivington House. And um, she goes in there once a week and has Bible study. She has a Bible study in her own home and uh, a couple other Bible studies. But around Christmas time, she has a group, and I might have told you this. She has a group of about 50 churches that that donate brand new gifts. She sends out a letter, and she gives a list of things that she needs in the closing days of their life. AIDS patients are always very, very cold, so she wants stuff like wool socks, long underwear. Uh, Sweaters, scarves. Some of them are still able to leave the the Rivington house, I know, and, and go out. But it's winter time, cold. She needs hats, wool hats. She needs scarves, sweatshirts, stuff like that. And these churches give. My wife and I go shopping. We go to Walmart. About, oh, around the end of December, of, of November. And we just buy a, a cart full of stuff that's just for Gail and her people that so she ministers to. Her. She has another team of people who wrap these gifts. See, The hospitals demand that they're wrapped a certain way. You know, you put the top on the box, it's got to be taped all the way along all four sides to ensure that nothing, nothing illegitimate could be could be slipped in there. That's the hospital's demands. And so she has a whole team that she has trained as to how to wrap gifts for people with AIDS. And then for about two and a half weeks, Mel and I go into New York City hospitals and and AIDS hospices and we put on a Christmas party for them. Sometimes we bring the, the refreshments, sometimes the hospital provides the refreshments. And uh, we uh, sing some Christmas carols, and I do a gospel magic presentation. I'm going to do a gospel magic presentation tonight, right here. And, uh, you know, it might be very similar to what I would do in a hospital or AIDS hospice. By the way, everybody listening, see that center aisle? It's not gonna, it's, there's no gonna, not going to be any center aisle tonight. All the chairs are going to be, and there's going to be an aisle on each side. But the important thing is, the front rows only—probably the first two rows—are only going to (laughs) have about four seats in them. The next two rows might have five and six on the way back. Okay. In other words, there's going to be some empty spots there and there. Please don't move your chair or any other any chair into those empty spots. Okay? There's no such thing as magic, all right? Some of the effects I'm going to do, angles are bad. You know, If you're sitting out there, well, you're going to see something you're not supposed to see. So please don't move the, the, the seats tonight. Well, we go in and we do a program, and, and I'll do a Gospel Magic presentation, and everybody gets a Bible, and everybody gets a, a devotional book, and everyone gets a wrapped Christmas gift, and they cry because nobody comes and visits them. Nobody gives them anything. And I... I, We have one hospital. It's it's Terrence Cardinal Cook Nursing Home on Fifth Avenue in New York City. And it's got six AIDS wards and we're there all day and we just go from one AIDS ward to the next and we, we, we do the party in these various wards. I've had... Catholic, I'd have nuns. You know, it's it's a Catholic hospital. It's staffed by priests and, and nuns. And they keep on asking us to come back, knowing full well what we do. And I've had nuns raise their hand at the invitation. It's just unbelievable. What God will do if you are willing to be used by him. And for me, it's hospitals uh, uh, up in, in New York City. For you, it's your high school.
1: The only question is, will you
0: Will you try to reach people? The victims, people with AIDS, gays, lesbians, the poor. Your high school nobodies, you got them, and you know who they are. Your neighbors, illegal aliens, hot topic in this country. But you know what you could look at? You know the way you could look at that situation? God is sending them here where, they're healed, where they'll hear the gospel. And I know there's two sides to that story and I'm very well versed in both sides. Yes, we do have a right to decide who comes into this country and who doesn't. But then the other side of me says, you know what? We could throw them all out and miss a golden opportunity to share the gospel with them. Those Giants were passing by on the other side. What's that? How do we, how do you, in Tennessee, pass by on the other side? Well, partying, shopping, playing with our technology, tailgating at Tennessee Titans games, going out for sports, cheerleading, laughing your way through life. Again, anything wrong with any of those? Nope unless you're so hung up on it that you refuse to see people through the eyes of Jesus Christ. A Samaritan. Someone who chose to care about people and meet their deepest needs. That can be you, if you feel like it. They saw him, and you see them too. You know you see them. The guy made a choice to do something, and you can make a choice. You can choose to have compassion or not. You can choose to sacrifice or not. You know, I gotta tell you, I gotta stop for a second to tell you, it's frustrating. I'm up here, I'm looking at faces. And I'm wondering, how much of this is getting in? And for those to whom it is getting in, honey, uh, communicate some other time, please. Excuse me, in the back of the room, some other time. Thank you. This is important. That's what I mean. I, I feel sometimes like... You're wasting your time, Dave. (laughs) I don't know, maybe I'm not. I'm not wasting my time. It's just one kid. Just one kid in this room decides to look at people differently. I wish that I could drill little holes and pour all this in. Put the top back on and send you out thinking and acting differently. You can't do that. You guys have a will, a free will, and you can choose to to do what God wants you to do, or you can choose to say, uh uh the cost. Might cost you some time. Might cost you some money. Might cost you some inconvenience. Might cost you getting dirty, getting sweaty, might cost you some popularity. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, you've probably all heard this, you've probably sung it. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? but to do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. I want you to turn to one more passage, and it's in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And I want to read uh, one verse. John chapter 4. And I want you to notice something in this verse. Is verse 35. Do not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. I'm sorry. Do you not say there are still uh, four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And I've always read this verse thinking it was... Um, What's the word where you you repeat something over and over again? Um, no, but there's a wo- there's a grammatical word for it. I can't think of it. Anyway. No. That's not... Huh? No. no, no, no. I'll think of it. Anyway. the Greatest example I could give you is a Beatles song. I forget which song it is, but one of them, the line goes, but in this uh, something something world in which we live in and the word in is in there in that line three times and you only need it once I always thought this verse was kind of like that I often I always thought that that behold meant to look and lift up your eyes meant to look and look meant to look, and I don't think it's that way at all, behold, indicates that something significant is happening. And something significant is happening in your high school. Kids are walking around. And their little ponytails are bouncing back and forth and they got those smiles pasted on their faces and they are on their way to a Christless eternity in hell. It's the truth. I don't know I don't know how to get it across. I don't know whether you believe that or not. Something significant is happening. Then it says, lift up your eyes. Well, that would seem to say, get your eyes off of something. What is it you want me to get my eyes off of? That which is hypnotizing you. That which is alluring you. Nothing wrong with any of those things that I talked about. iPads, smartphones, partying, da-da-da-da, the list goes on. Nothing wrong with any of them. But once in a while you've got to take your eyes off of that and look at people. People who are lost. I know the outsiders don't like that word, lost. But, but they're lost. And then look. Look at the fields. Look at your high school. Look at your neighbor's look at the kids on the teams you play on focus on what matters I want to read this is you you can't follow along in this this is um, I happen to be using the um, International uh, I'm sorry the inspirational study Bible Max Lucado is the um, general editor and each Book of the Bible has a has an introduction. I just want to read. This is not this is not sacred scripture, okay? But it's true. Well, listen to this. Here's the introduction. Here is a story James would have liked. Francis of Assisi once invited an apprentice to go with him to a nearby village to preach. The young monk quickly agreed, seizing an opportunity to hear his teacher speak. When they arrived in the village, St. Francis began to visit with people. First he stopped in on the butcher, next to visit with the cobbler. Then a short walk to the home of a woman who'd recently buried her husband. After that, a stop at the school to chat with the teacher. This continued throughout the morning. After some time, Francis told his disciple that it was time to return to the Abbey. The student didn't understand. But we came to preach. We haven't preached a sermon. Haven't we? Questioned the Elder. People have watched us, listened to us, responded to us. Every word we have spoken, Every deed we have done has been a sermon. We have preached all morning. James would have liked that. As far as he was concerned, Christianity was more action on Monday than worship on Sunday. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? His message is bare knuckled. His style is bare bones. Talk is cheap, he argues. Service is invaluable. It's not that works save the Christian, but that works mark the Christian. In James' book of logic, it only makes sense that we who have been given much should give much, not just with words, but with our lives, or as St. Francis is noted as saying, Preach without ceasing. If you must, use words. James would have liked that. Look, there's two questions that you have to answer. Two questions that I really hope you will answer. The first question is, Who am I? And I'm not talking about your name. Who am I? You see, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to know who you are? You are Christ to a lot of kids. And the only question is, is that Christ attractive or ugly? The question, the other question is this. Who are those people that I rub shoulders with, that I ask, did you get last night's assignment? I was absent. What's the assignment for last night? And you turn and it's a quick conversation. Who is that kid? Who are the kids that you sit with in homeroom, that you sit with in the cafeteria? They're people... Jesus Christ had on his mind when he hung on that cross, just like he had you in mind. Who am I? Who are they? And will I be Jesus to them? Those are the questions can't make you answer them but I hope and I pray that you will Father thank you again for this time God you know I'm frustrated because I just wish I could just pour it in to the top of the heads of each of these kids but I can't Oh, God, I pray, would you bug them? Would you force them to see kids through the eyes of Jesus Christ? And would you give them the guts to be Jesus? And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.